Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. So here we are, episode 13 of the Two Shot Podcast. This week, myself and producer Griff travelled to Derby to have a brew with Lauren Soccer. Uh, Lauren touches on all sorts of stuff. Now, anybody that knows Lauren's work or indeed knows Lauren herself uh, will know she's uh, she's pretty open and honest at the best of times. But I think being sat down just one-on-one with me and having a cup of tea... She did open up even more, actually. I saw a real vulnerable side to her. Um, and I'm really, really chuffed she came on. She talks about all sorts of stuff, growing up in Derby, uh, school life, friendships, how motherhood has changed her. And she also talks about one bad, bad move that uh, kind of changed everything for her, really. Um, she also talks about building bridges and happiness. I hope you enjoy this. This is episode 13 of the Two Shot Podcast with Lauren Soccer. Right, so we've started. That's how podcasts start. You just like start talking. Um, this week we have jumped in the motor and we've come to Derby. Uh, it's with someone who I haven't seen for quite a long time. Very excited that she's joined us on the Two Shot Podcast. It is Lauren Soccer. Hi, hi everyone. <laughs> Lauren, how are you? Oh, good, thanks, Craig. You're saying you're quite tired before. Very. Is that being a new mother? Yes. How are you finding that? Hard. <laughs> it's not hard. It's just uh, you're very sleep deprived. So just when you think you've cracked the old sleeping thing, teeth like to appear. And she's getting her back teeth, so they say that they're the worst teeth. Yeah. The molars. But other than that, it's amazing. Of course it is. Um, what we want to... St- I don't really have a set format with these podcasts. We just kind of talk as we do. But yeah. generally, I do kind of want to start back from the beginning and mm-hmm. uh, talk about growing up and your childhood and things like yeah. that. Um. How was, how was school for you? How did you find it? I uh, I was never really naughty. I was, but I wasn't... I never skived. Right. I always was scared to skive. I remember I skived once. I was at a place called Darley Park, so it was right near my school. And I was so scared that I never did it again. And I lived on space radars for the day. And I just couldn't... <laughs> understand why people would sky for the day and live on space raiders and wham bars. So I never skived. Because we all know that wham bars, you can only have them after you come out of the swimming baths. Why? Because that's when I used to have wham bars. Oh, really? That and Highland oh. Toffee. Oh, yeah, and refreshers. I never, I'm not good, I couldn't vibe with the refreshers. Oh, I love refreshers. <laughs> but no, I was never naughty, naughty. I was just a bit, little bit disruptive, I think. I don't think I ever wanted to learn. I don't think it was something... I knew what I wanted to do and it, 
And it wasn't to sit in a class and divide numbers and do all of that. And did you feel that you also wanted to act at a very early age? Not really, no. I just knew that I didn't want to learn. And I just knew that I didn't... Oh, well, yeah, probably, I did. Did you not worry about shutting off not wanting to learn, but also not not definitely knowing what path you wanted to go down? I think what it was, I think the school for me, I don't, I, I didn't, I don't think they knew where to place me. Like, so they put me in, like, a class full of uh, not very clever people because I was too probably, too probably too destructive in a regular class with really clever kids. Yeah. So they sort of just lost way with me. And didn't really know. So that way, in my head, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I don't want to learn then. I don't want to learn. Because you felt that they really didn't care. Well, yeah. And, like, and I, I felt like the teachers were very, you know, they used things as power. You know, it wasn't, they, they took their, their authority to another level. Yeah. And that's something that I never liked. Because I, I was always too clever for them in that way. I don't agree with it. Like, I'd never want my daughter to, I, I want her to thrive be the best you can possibly be because yeah. I know how important it is as I've got older but I was just never that kid you know I'm not thick but I was just never one to sit and learn and my mum tried everything to you know a, a home tutor and I just didn't want to do it it wasn't as a, it wasn't that I was thick I just didn't want to learn and was that something that carried on from primary into secondary as well I think it was more secondary school because I think you find yourself more don't you because yeah because you I, I think it was probably like 13 you, you sort of know what you want to do you choose your choices in your classes like what options you want to do and things and I think it was just more of that you know more of secondary school I think you're more influenced as well as you're getting older. Yeah, of course. With other people and, you know, I never really knocked about with people my age. It was always older girls and stuff. So do you think you were influenced by them as well? Um, Possibly. I don't like thinking that I was influenced, but I probably was. Subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. I never wanted to be a follower. I always wanted to be the leader. Mm. But I think I did follow. Um, But looking back now, I mean... School days are your best days, and I had the best days at school. They were amazing. Oh, so you had a happy time of at school? Yeah, I loved it. Socialising. Yeah. That side of it. Learning, I hated. Uh, didn't do any magicuses, didn't, didn't do any of it. But then, and so where did the, when did the drama sort of start to kick in? So everyone, you know, the workshop, everyone, everyone was auditioning and everything, and I auditioned and I didn't get in. So this is the Nottingham Theatre workshop yeah. we're talking about? Just, just for people listening? Yeah. So I auditioned and never got in. Uh, I was on the reserve list. I wasn't bothered. It was, I wasn't that upset with it. It was like a hit and miss thing. I think I wanted to do it more because my brother was doing it. And was there any drama at school? Uh, not an option? Uh, I didn't take it. You didn't take no, it? No, because I couldn't deal with people who thought they were really good. Right. I can't deal with that. You know, I can't. You're not that good. You're not, you're not going to be. It, it was one of them that was in my ad. So then I got a phone call from Ian Smith saying, uh, can you come down for an audition for Scummy Man Arctic Monkeys video? And then immediately got it and then got, got in the workshop from that. And how did, you, how did you find the workshop when you first started? Because obviously there's a lot of, it's a lot of people, a lot of like-minded people. Yeah, wicked. Like friends that I would never have up this way. They were all, they were all screwed on. 
And that's probably what I needed. I needed a, so a, probably a better influence from round here at school life where I could sort of switch off and be a bit of a geek sort yeah. of thing and not get judged for it because you are under pressure as a kid. And I sort of felt like I had to hold sort of um, a title for for whoever I was and keep that up. And I think at workshop I, I could really let go and showcase my own little talents that no one's seen or, you know. So that was good for it. And meeting everyone and everyone was like a family. Did you feel that you, you were starting to learn? Learn, yeah. So you, it, was, it was a start of your training? Yeah, it was. And discipline in that. Like I would, God, I'd, I'd be so scared if Ian Smith told me off. It wasn't, you don't answer him back. It was one of them. So did you feel that the way... Ian was treating you was not like the way a teacher would no, treat you. No, no, because I would, I'd argue, I would have argued with a teacher. I wouldn't have cared enough about it. I wouldn't have cared if I got kicked out or suspended. But I did. I would never want to get kicked out of workshop because you had too much respect for him. Yeah, and also what he was trying to create. Yeah, and also it was so hard to get into. Like I was on the reserve list for how long? Oh, God, God knows, about a year. And then he rang me up and obviously told me about this audition. And then I got in from from doing the Scummy Mum video, which was great, and then sort of got my place place in the workshop from that. But, but then, you, you know, I never got in for being a good actor because I was on the reserve list, really, wasn't I? So do you so, still have a bit of resentment because probably, of that? Probably, yeah. Well, no, yeah, I, I must do. Because I didn't get in, and I, and I must have auditioned a few times. But so now you're in the workshop. Now I'm in the workshop, and you're making friends. You're listening. Yeah. Uh, you're gaining discipline. You're yeah. learning your training. Yeah. So how long were you were you at the workshop for? Uh, I was at the workshop about five years. Right, and is this? Uh, when you do the workshop, is it uh, is it the weekend? Is it in the evenings? It's a, it was a Wednesday after school. Wednesday after school. So my mum would pick me and Michael up on a Wednesday after school and drive to Nottingham. Not that far. No. Yeah, it was just it, yeah. Went every Wednesday it was. And how did that affect your attitude at school? Because you're obviously still at school at this time, weren't you? Well, Jack O'Connell was at the workshop, and he was in my year. Right. So, but we weren't in the same days. It was weird. I don't know why we weren't. Eventually we did, because then we'd all get, I'd get the train with Jack, because we'd be in the same class, same workshop class, and Michael would be in the overs. Right. So, um, it never really changed how I was at school. It just made me even more, have more resentment to the school, because I knew what I wanted to do. And then, because I did Scummy Man, that's when I knew. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna do this. I got I remember I got paid three hundred pounds and I thought it was the best thing ever. And I took all my mates ice skating. Yeah, but it probably wasn't. I mean, how old were you when you did that video? Fifteen. Fifteen. Three hundred quid at fifteen. I know, That's you, all right, yeah, isn't it? who gets that? Yeah. You know, I'd get ten pounds pocket money every two weeks and that would that would be it. But three three hundred pounds and Ian, Ian Smith didn't take no commission off it, so I had the whole lot. Right. Which was great. But I mean you won't work for that now, would you? <laughs> I'd wait that for an, in an hour, but not for a week. So, yeah. Do, do you think, um, was there a turning point then? Because you were saying at school you had, you had all that resentment against the teachers, but you still 
didn't really know what you wanted to do with your life and what career path to go down. When did it switch and when? Actually, yeah, no, I think the acting thing is for me. Um, Smart for Morton. The Unloved. And what did she? What did she do for you? I just think it was. I think she gave me a chance. I think out of all the kids, and I don't want to sound arrogant, which I really hope I, I don't sound as I'm arrogant. I hate that. But out of everyone she's seen, she took a liking to me. Like, why me? Why me? What 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 have I done? That's really good to make you want me in your film. So it was more of like, are you serious? It was more of like a, you know, th- thank you. And I think at that point, that that changed me and what I wanted to do. And then that's when I knew I wanted to become a really serious actress. Yeah. Because, you know. Do you think maybe she saw something of her younger self in yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think she did, maybe. So it was her, really, that, that was the key to to making me want to um, be an actress. And so when did you stop the workshop after? Because you were there for, like, four or five years. I stopped years. the workshop sort of after... After that? ...the unloved, really. I never really went back. And did you ever feel that you wanted to take your training further by possibly going to a London drama school or...? Well, I don't... I, don't, I mean... I don't really agree, I don't really rate drama schools. Either you've got it or you don't. Right. No, no one can sort of tell you how to... If you've got a talent, then you've got a talent. No one should play with that talent or tweak it. If you've got something, then you've got it. I, I, like, it was never... I, I had an agent straight after The Unloved, like a, a really well-known an, an agency who took me on and then instantly got misfits. Yeah. Four weeks after The Unloved was being on. So I got thrown into the fight. It all, it, it all came to me so quick. Yeah that I'd never had the time to go back to the workshop. I was in London a matter of two, three weeks after auditioning for Misfits and having to move to London to start filming. So I didn't have the time to to go back and... And I don't know if people think that I didn't go back because, you know, people, there's loads of things that go around, but maybe people thought that I didn't go back because... I thought I was a bit better and better or whatever. And it wasn't the case. It was because I just didn't have the time I was filming. You know, you know, I'll misfits talk. Yeah. It's, you know, it's four or five months out of the year. I ain't got time to go back every Wednesday for an hour. Especially when you're based in London. Of course. Yeah. And did you feel because you hadn't done, apart from the first Arctic Monkeys video, you hadn't really done a lot of filming, had no, you? nothing. And so if we look at those three projects and the workshop... There's lots of different types of training there because doing a music video and doing something that was very improvisational sort of And then going into script And then going into three different things. So did you feel that you were listening and learning on on all those jobs and picking up little tweaks and techniques? Like I... um... Workshop was so good for improvisation. Like that's what everything. That's what it was known for, sort of things. And then doing like a big play at the end of the year. How did you find that? Did you enjoy that? I, some... Yeah, I love improvising. It's what I, it's what I know. It's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Like now, obviously, God, we're talking eight nine years. Like um, a blast through a script now. But doing misfit scripts, it was really daunting because I just didn't. I never got that sort of training. I was just thrown into it at a young age. You know, and then having to to learn this all these big bloody monologues type things in a script, I found that hard. 
because, you know, all the other lot, all the other cast of the Misfits, they were all trained and and I wasn't trained in that. So I maybe, you sh- you know, I say that you shouldn't go to drama school. I would never do drama school anyway, but maybe they train you in that sort of thing. But you know, Well, not necessarily. And also it's not a path that everyone needs to go down and certainly not a path that every guest that we've had on this podcast, everybody has a different route yeah. and that's legitimate and totally fine. You have yeah. to do what's right for you. But do you feel, did you feel that maybe because the others trained and you didn't, did you, how did that make you feel like, as, as like a person? Like, because I didn't know how I was coming across. Like, I remember auditioning for Misfits and Tom Green, the director, wasn't really happy with my audition, but he knew I could do it. And then as I was leaving the door, I was with my brother, as I was leaving to come out of the audition, he says, I want you to come back tomorrow and I want you to learn these lines properly, which I did. And I went home and I thought, God, you know, i really got to learn this. I might have this. And I came home and I just sat down on my own in my room and just learnt my lines, which is something that I've never really done. And then sitting in, my, in the mirror trying to go from being improvisation to looking at a script and then sort of changing a little bit of the script to how I would do it. Yeah. And the writer, Howard, Misfits writer, was dead good with that. Like he'd... Because I, d- I didn't think they wanted the character to be so... My, like so, like a such a big character. Yeah. But I think the way I delivered it, maybe it was a bit of an exaggerated character. But they wanted to stick with it, sort of thing. So I, I, I think I changed a bit of it. Not a lot. No. I just put my own little twist into it. Yeah, as yeah, you of do. course. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, no, it was, and you know, Antonia, she'd be amazing at lines all the time, and I'd like need an hour at dinner, especially for the first year, to just sit down and. Have a look. I was never one of them that would go back and learn it the night before. Too knackered. You know, you don't want to... I never... I, even to this day, you don't want to finish work, go to go to your room, hotel room, wherever you are, and look at nine pages of dialogue for the next day when you've, you're only going to get about eight hours sleep. Yeah. You know, just learn it when you get your makeup done. And then mess up when you go on set. Oh, that's quite a, That's quite a, an odd thing to do. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I've never done that. So you're quite good at just sitting yeah, down and yeah, learning I, it on the I, can, I can do it. Yeah, I'm all right. Do you think that's something that's that's come with time? Yeah, can... oh, God, definitely. God, you know, I look back and I can't watch myself anyway. But if I do ever watch myself, I think, God, that's so bad. Like, But then what... it comes with experience, doesn't it? What, watching yourself? Or... Well, well, like, if I was to watch Misfits now the first year yeah. that I ever did Misfits and I was to watch that back, I'd be like, no. I shouldn't have said it like that. What, because you can see the cracks? Or, or because of time, you're going, oh, I would have done that better. I yeah, would have done it like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I just, I should have probably listened and probably just took took it a bit more serious, you know. I don't know. What What, what do you mean that you what, I just think, you didn't take it seriously? I don't think I took acting serious back then. I don't think it was. I just think it came so easy to me. Why do you think that is? That's, do you think that's something from the past that was still with you? Or I don't. I don't know. I just. I never. You don't expect it. You don't expect. I never expected myself to be where I am today. Like it doesn't happen to people like me. Why it doesn't? So I didn't. Re- did you feel you were constantly battling with that then? Yeah, or- possibly. Yeah, possibly. It's like a can't. It's really good. It's like a therapy. It's great. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's what uh, not uh, you know. Some people have said that. Yeah. They kind of quite like the openness of, yeah, of Alice's is. going. I think um, 
my, my dad died yeah when I was younger so I think that what always age, what age was that near to 14 right so I think that always I don't think I'd be who I am I don't think I'd be an actress if he was alive because he was just too much of a nutcase sort of thing do you know what I mean I don't think he'd would have wanted that it, it wasn't controlling or anything, but it wasn't a very nice person. So he wouldn't have been supportive? But not at all. Not at all, no. He was a big drinker, so I always think... It, thank God for my mum, because she held it all together, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we live in a... We, we grew up... We had everything. We, you know, She still does everything for us now, but I think back then... I don't know, it just everything was so easy to get. I don't know. If, I don't know if that makes. I know what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I'm trying to I say? I do know what you're trying to say. So yeah, doing but... misfits and doing all of that, I never really had time to let everything sink in. And then obviously the BAFTA came, and then you know I didn't really know why I got that. Like I'm not that good. You know, it was all that sort of stuff going through my head. And and I don't. I can't take. I think I find it really difficult to take um, credit for something where I'm good at it. I, 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 I don't understand why. So do you think you're constantly questioning that? Always, and that's why I can't watch myself. Because I just think, God, no. So in a way, do you think you were thrust into the limelight a bit too quick yeah, and too you wanted quick. to put the brakes on? Yeah, far too quick. Really bad. Because sometimes... Things manifest themselves mm. if you're thrust into stuff, and it could come out as 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 anger or resentment or mm. something like that. Do you do you feel that's something that you have to deal with? Yeah, well, the thing like it's difficult because I think because Misfits was such a big hit, it's I still wanted to uh, just be normal and be Lauren here again. You know yeah. what I mean? And you can't be normal and be Lauren when you've just done a massive TV show that everyone knows you from. I want to go downtown with my mates and not have people start at me or people look at me funny or think that I'm better than anyone else. I just want a normal life. So I probably tried to have the two lives, but couldn't. I had to choose one or the other. And I just sort of went a bit mad from it all. Like, I just had a big breakdown and... In in what, in what way? Well, I, like... So I just won the BAFTA, I've got all this money, you know what I mean? I was doing loads of divvy stuff to myself, you know, like mad stuff. And then I got arrested for beating a taxi driver up and called him a racist name and he recorded me. So it completely tarnished my career. So, Because um, um, you were drunk at the time, weren't you? I had like a 12, I was out drinking for like 12 hours with everyone. And then he took me the wrong way home. But I couldn't get this, I couldn't say all this because I, I was advised not to. And then it and then it went crying court, you know what I mean? And then it was like, God, are you, like, It's this is a custodial sentence. And it was just all, and then the media, like, I came off Twitter and everything for ages, and, like, you can't take the racist away from you. That will live with you forever. That will stay with me forever. But I'm not racist. I'm not a racist person. I was just somewhere at the wrong time and, and called him a name that I shouldn't have called him. Because of, you know... Because there was of... A, there, was a, there was a fair few hours of drinking. Drink, and I can't, and... I, you know, I have to hold my hands up and I have to take responsibility for it. And 
I have took massive responsibility for it. I nearly lost my career in in this, you know. And it, I know, and I, I know, it is something you regret, though, isn't it? Completely. Yeah. But I needed that. I needed do, you think, it. do you think, in a way, that was some sort of wake up call? Completely. Like, but then it made me more mad because I wasn't working. I, Angry man. No, no, mentally, I think. Right. Not, you know, I've always been a bit mental, like, a bit... There's only one Lauren, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Do you know, it's yeah. one of them. But I think... I think it's... Um, I think I needed that to sort of reflect on me. And it doesn't get... It didn't get better overnight. It took about four years, three, four years, to get me all right again and... And were there some dark times during that four years? Oh, God, yeah, like, just... Oh, God, it's just mental because I've not thought about it up until now. I just think that I'd go out all the time and not come back for days and end, you know, and then come back, go to sleep for, for a night and then go back out and do whatever I was doing and then coming back in. And Did you just want to run away from I it I just or? didn't want... Yeah, I just didn't want to... And then lying to people, going, no, 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 I'm still doing it because I was so embarrassed from being something like this up at the top to just being absolutely nothing, skin, not having nothing, not a penny to my name, you know. My own fault, though. Like, I've got to... I had to keep reminding myself it was my own fault. But as you say, you know, I know you do regret it, but you do hold your hands up and say that that's something that you've got to live with. Oh, forever. Yeah. But, you know, and honestly, like, you know now, like, I am so grateful for anything. Like, I'm not desperate. I'm not, like, I'll only do good work. I won't do rubbish work. I won't... I won't be an extra for the day. Not that there's no wrong with extras, but I'm not into that stuff. I know that I'm better than that sort of thing. So I'm just not arrogant anymore with it, you know. Do you think that, just just nipping back to when it was in court, what happened at court? What was the outcome? So he had had it on record anyway. Like, there was no way I could not say I want guilty. I was guilty. Yeah. You know, it was there. it 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 was there. Um, and what did they hand down to you? Six months suspended sentence. So if I did anything wrong within the six months, I would be going to prison. But I'm not a criminal, so, you know, you, it's... You didn't, no. it's fine. And community service, believe it or not. <laughs> right? But I did my community service within two weeks, eight hours, I just banged it all in, you know, so I, so I didn't have to do it. And then... And during that time, what was the support from your agents? Nothing, not not that good. You think you think that there would be. You think that you've got that, you know. You think people care, and they just why should they though? Because it was wrong what I did. So I can't really. But then you think that there's people out there that you think you know they might be able to help me. But nothing. They did nothing. Did you talk to them about this? Yeah, yeah, I did. But you know. Just got advice to do this, that, and the other, and it didn't really, didn't really work out the way that it should have worked out. I think because I lied at the very beginning, saying I never did it, which was my own fault. But what you, you know, you think you can get away with it, and you can't. You know, it's it was on recording. Yeah. So I couldn't get away with it. And what happened to the relationship with your agent after that? Did it? Um, it wasn't. We didn't go. I mean, I was still with them for two years after that. But there was just no auditions or anything coming up. And there was talks about me going in a soap and all of that. And I just, 
again, it's me being thrust into it. You know, I don't, that's the last thing I want to do is yeah. go into a big soap to, no way, you know. So I was looking for an agent when my agent wrote me a letter and I just rang and went, no, that's fine, you know, ended on good terms. And the agent that I've been with now, I'm always in work, you know, and that's what I want. And that's, you know, he knows about my situation. He's he's a lot younger than my other agent. He's in his 20s, so yeah. he can sort of relate to what the stuff I want to do. I don't, don't want to do a period drama. I don't want to do that. I don't want to don't want to have to do a play. I don't don't really like, I like watching them. I just don't like being in them. You so know? you just want to be selective about what you do? Yeah, yeah. And, and I suppose be happy. And be happy and work hard and have a, just live and work hard and give my daughter the best life that I can because... If I didn't have her, then I'd be dead. That's how I see it. Like, it's she's just like, it's going to get me upset. It's all right, it's okay. I can't, I can't believe I'm crying. It's all right. So sorry. It's okay, don't be sorry. It's, it's right. absolutely cool. I just, like, she's literally the best thing ever. And, like, that's what I'm good at. I'm good at being a mum. I'm good at supporting her and waking up every day knowing that I've got her for the rest of my life and no-one will take that from me. Nobody. And... You know, having having that connection with her is the, the best thing, and it's happiness, and that's what I was looking for for so long, and it's a shame, really, because if I had this mindset six, seven years ago, I'd smash it. I'd be smashing it. But because I was a divvy and I was young and stupid and thought I was better than everyone and doing stupid stuff, I just fold forward and just nearly messed up my whole life. But I'm back and I'm really, really good, in a really good place. That's good. Do you, do you, do you, do you feel that you, there's less anger and resentment in you now? Yeah, like, I'd fight anyone. I'd go out and fight the hardest girl in the place just because I could, because I wanted that. Or like, to prove a point. Why would you do It's embarrassing. Yeah. You know, I'm scared of people now. I put my head down if I can. So if I walk past a group of lads, like youths, like I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't like this. Like <laughs> just, you know, it's it's a bit like that because I've grown up. Because I've, I don't, you know, it's silly. That's, that life's silly. You don't want that, you know. It's mad to think of what I was. I mean, was I that bad? I, I, it's, I never... Thought you were that bad. No, it's not like... I, I, you know I've always... But I've always been one of them that say it how it is, and I don't think that will ever change. No, I don't think that will ever change, but maybe what, what you're trying to say is that between that, you know, very silly thing that you hold your hands up for, just not the mic, and your daughter, those things maybe happened for a reason. It was a turning point yeah. for you. So after all that, that happened, and it was... So a fair few years mm-hmm. in the wilderness, yeah. really. How did you, because no one else can turn this corner for you, you've got to do things yeah. yourself. How did you set the wheels in motion to turn this around and try and turn such a negative into a positive? Do you know what I think, and honestly, I'm a great believer in this, like good things happen to those who wait. Like maybe I wasn't a good person then. This is all in my mind. This yeah. is how I see it. And I, this is what I said to my mum. So I think the BAFTA was a curse. I don't have it up. I don't. It's nowhere to be seen because it was happened at the wrong time. I didn't. I didn't. 
I don't know why I got it. There's better people out there than me. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I'm grateful and I'll always have the BAFTA on me. Like, people work years and years to get that and I didn't work years and years. I worked for two years and got it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think having all of that and having the time out, I, I really believe that good things were going to happen because I was waiting for it and I was turning my life around slowly but surely, keeping my head down. You know, got pregnant with Rini when in 2015. Like, that's what I needed. Acting in 2015, I thought, you know, I was going to have to come to an end because I'm, I'm not doing anything. So maybe I've just got to call it a day. Were you consciously uh, giving it a back seat? Yeah. Or... Yeah, like, so... My agent rang me and said, um, Channel 4, and I'm thinking, Channel 4, God. Is this the new agent? Yeah. Yeah. Channel 4 are doing Catastrophe and they really want to meet with you. And I'm thinking, Channel 4, wow, Misfits was with Channel 4. God, don't they hate me? And I had um, a couple of auditions for Catastrophe. It wasn't a massive part, but it was Catastrophe. Like, they have guest parts in it. And it's quality stuff. Yeah, it's good line. So I got the part of catastrophe and then it just sort of ended up being little bits and bobs and things coming in and... So you slowly, slowly started to rebuild yeah. with quality stuff. Like, yeah, and then it got to the point where I was like, having three jobs at the same time and it was great. Like, God, this is it. You know, this is what work is. This is what it's about. But I was pregnant with when I was doing catastrophe with Rena. I was only a couple of weeks, but no one knew. Yeah. So now I have to take... Now, any work that I've got, she has to come everywhere with me. So, I don't know why I've just said that. It's only because she's there. (laughs) So, um, one minute. So, so yeah, I just slowly but surely got back into it again. And everything's Everything's, everything's going the way you want it to now. Everything is going the way that I want it to. I live in a nice house. I've got a decent lad, Dan, 10 years, you know. I've got a lovely daughter. I drive a nice car. And the career's slowly and starting to happen. Slowly coming back. It's great. Lauren, I'm really thrilled for you. Oh, thanks. I really, you know I am. Um, and I'm really pleased that you had the time to sit down and talk to us today. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the therapy lesson. You're very bloody welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, there we have it. Episode 13. Um... Uh, I'm no journalist, I'm, I didn't get into this uh, to expose people, just to sit down, meet people, talk to people with very human stories for you to listen to. Um, and, you know, if it inspires a little bit of something, then that's all well and good. Um, but I'm not here uh, to make any sort of judgment on anybody, so... I'm not really going to comment on it, but I am going to say that, you know, as Lauren said, that's something she's got to live with every day. Um, and she's working hard at it. So, uh, yeah, look, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, it's a good one. And we're really thrilled. We've got another great one coming for you next week. Now, if you want to catch up on everything that is Two Shot Podcast, you know what to do. You can follow us at Two Shot Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Send us your messages. Send us your emails. 
uh, which is the email address is twoshotpod at gmail.com. I always forget it. Producer Griff just kills me. Um, it's because I've got so much to remember. So it's twoshotpod at gmail.com is the email address. And, uh, yeah, send us your emails. We've had some really, really lovely stuff sent to us. Um, and what I'm going to do in the coming weeks, I'm going to put some things together. And uh, I'm not going to read them out. This isn't Steve Wright on uh, Radio 2. I'm just going to um, give a shout-out to all those lovely people that have uh, sent messages of support because it really does mean a lot. Speaking of meaning a lot on support, you know we've got our Patreon site up. It's patreon.com forward slash two-shot-pod. All I will say, right, is if everybody that downloaded this threw us a quid every time they downloaded it, a quid, one pound, right, we would be able to carry on making podcasts for quite a while. I'm going to leave that with you, all right? I will see you next week. I've been Craig Parkinson. This has been the Two Shot Podcast. He has been producer Griff. And thank you so much for listening, downloading, and your continued support. Really means a lot. Okay, take care. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.